Do you have a grandchild with a food allergy or sensitivity? I know it's not fun when you have to manage a grandchild's eating issues, but it's not like it's a piece of cake for the child or the parent of the child. In this episode, I talk to a young parent who helps walk us through what it looks like from her perspective and how we as grandparents can help our adult kids and grandkids to manage through what can often be a difficult and sometimes scary situation. But first, in the stretch it takes, I talk about a time when one of our children struggled with eating issues, a mystery that took us years to solve. Grandparents wear many hats, and so we are often called upon to put on a cheerleader hat. Yes, I I know that cheerleaders don't wear hats, but you get the idea. Honestly, most situations require us to take off our expert hat, or what is more commonly known as the know-it-all hat. When our adult children run into a problem that seems unsolvable, the best thing we can do is come alongside and just be there to help. It's a stretch and it requires a good deal of discipline, but it will be remembered and appreciated. So let's go to the mat and think about how we can flex those relationship muscles with our adult children to make a difference in their young lives. When we brought the first one home from the hospital, we worried about everything. We have a home video of us talking about how her diaper wasn't wet yet, and we had called the doctor to make sure everything was connected right. Then it took her a very long time to dirty a diaper, and we worried about that. When she eventually did, we got what looked like rabbit droppings. That was our first clue, even though we were still pretty clueless. There's no way first-time parents can know everything, no matter how many books you read or experts you listen to or even family members you quiz. Experience is the best teacher. But some experiences are long and grueling, as was the case for us. I would take her to the pediatrician who asked me questions that got old. Are you nursing her often? Yes. It feels like that's all I ever do. I can't even get a shower in. Do you drink enough water? Yes, I was drinking lots at that point, although I am historically bad at that. They had no answer for me. In fact, they just kept telling me that I should stop nursing her and just bottle feed. That way I could make sure she was getting enough and wasn't getting dehydrated. I kept telling them that every time I nursed, she would just spit it all back up, projectile vomiting style. So what would guarantee she wasn't going to do that with a bottle? I didn't really feel like they were listening to me. After four months, I gave in to the pressure, stopped nursing her, and started bottle-feeding her with the recommended soy milk. Only difference then was that now when she puked all over me and the carpet, it just smelled worse. After about two months of that and no improvement with her bowel movements, which, by the way, still looked like pellets and which made her cry for hours, the pediatrician recommended I put her on rice cereal, which we did. Still, no improvement. My mom was there for some of this. She came to visit and watch our daughter when I was on a longer writing assignment that required me to be in the office for a few weeks. And each time, my mom tried to encourage me, but I couldn't help feeling like a failure. I'm sure it took great patience on my mom's part to simply hold our daughter and let her cry it out until she could produce a paltry poop. 
If she had a clue, she didn't say, but it didn't seem like anyone really knew what was going on. So I have a great deal of sympathy for any parents who can't figure out what foods can trigger a negative reaction in their child's body. And for parents whose own parents aren't very supportive. Turns out it took us about 16 years to figure it out. Our journey consisted of endoscopies, allergists, many specialists, enemas, and ice cream laced with laxatives. To this day, she won't eat anything peppermint because of that concoction. Poor child was quizzed endlessly about whether she was eating enough fruits and veggies. Yes, she still loves those, thank you very much. But as time went on, there seemed to be no explanation for what was bollocksing up her digestive system. Until one day, I was reading researching, and found that a common cause of this dilemma for children in other countries, especially Asia, can be rice. I was unaware of any Asian DNA in our bloodline, but in my desperation, I considered the possibility anyway. Why did I not hear about this until 16 years into her life, and why hadn't the doctors made the connection either? Remember how my pediatrician recommended putting her on rice cereal? Yeah, not such a great idea for a child who apparently had a severe rice sensitivity. Also not great that rice was a staple for me. I loved it. I craved it all during my pregnancy with her. Apparently, after she was born, my breast milk passed it on to her. And after babyhood, it entered her diet. In other foods that I was unaware of, like stuff made with modified rice starch as a thickener. As soon as she stopped eating it, things got a lot better. But wow, that took a long time and countless doctors to figure it out. And calls to her college cafeteria to see if they used rice starch in making their soups. All that to say, I grieve for the young moms and dads who struggle with their kids' diets. And I hope that if you, as a grandparent, have grandchildren who do, you put on your most empathetic hat and patiently work with the parents to help them along the way. I was lucky to have some helpful cheerleaders in my camp, but I was such a newbie at being a mom. My guest this week had great intuition, and given that food allergies showed up with her fourth child instead of her first, there's that. Like I said before, experience is the best teacher. Let's listen in on our conversation with this young mom. Hi, Kelly. So good to have you here on The Grand Life. Hi, good to talk to you. Yeah, you know, let me say right up front that you are not a grandparent, right? Correct. <laughs> In fact, far from it. You're a full-time mom working hard at home. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like how many children you have and maybe what you did before you had children and what keeps you busy now? Sure. I have four children. My oldest is 12. My youngest is four and a half. I and young to be having four kids, I feel like. <laughs> I uh, So before this, I didn't really have a career. Kind of right after college, we had kids. But I um, have a degree in journalism and a minor in music that I never really used, maybe someday. Yeah, we could use it with your own kids, right? Right. You're teaching them how to play the piano, or do you, do you fend that off to someone right. else? Well, actually, this weekend I was teaching them how to use GarageBand on the Mac, and I was like, hey, I'm using my minor. Yes. 
That's awesome. I love musical theater, which I kind of made my kids also (laughs) enjoy. (laughs) How do they enjoy that? Well, my two oldest participate in different shows or different things at their school. And I enjoy volunteering. Right now I'm the head volunteer of my daughter's um, musical at her school. Cool. So I have to go to all the rehearsals and help with costumes and all that. Yeah, you're underselling what you do. Your two of your kids have done professional theater. Is that right? One. Oh, just one. But yeah. Oh, for some reason I thought your oldest had as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of fun, and uh, it's fun to take the, your own interests and kind of meld that into what your kids are doing. And who knows how long that will last? But you know. It's fun while it lasts, right? It is fun, right. (laughs) So, okay, today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your youngest. Kelly's fourth child exhibited early signs of allergies. One of our children had patches of skin that were rough and inflamed from birth, often called eczema. Our pediatrician pointed it out and said it often indicates a long, steady path towards allergies and food sensitivities, so we should just watch out for that. Even armed with that information, we failed to notice that she would sneeze every time we put her down in a patch of grass. It wasn't until later, when we watched old home videos, that we noticed what was happening. Kelly was much better at catching it. When he was born, how how did you finally learn about his food sensitivities? I mean, did it show up right away? Um. Well, he was... So he's the fourth, so obviously I feel like after having that many kids, you kind of know what's weird and what's not. Um, And kind of all through birth, through about 10, 11 months, um, he had really bad eczema, Mm -hmm. which I thought was weird. I I didn't have other kids who had eczema. Um, And sometimes it would get worse, sometimes not. Um, But we just kind of treat that. And then when you start to introduce foods, uh, you seem to do okay. But then I think it was around 10 or 11 months. Whenever they suggest now that you introduce um, peanut butter, he did. And he was fine the first day. And so then the next day I thought, oh, here, I'll give it to him again. And he immediately got giant welts right around his wrist. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was around, it might have been around his mouth too. And I was like, ooh. So my husband is actually a physician. You know, I called him right away because I was like, do I run to a hospital or I don't know, you know, what do you do with that? Then we stopped giving him peanut butter and made an allergist appointment. Then after that, um, that's also around the time when you introduce cow's milk yeah, um, instead of just breast milk. And so I remember I gave him cow's milk and a similar thing happened. He also got welts all over, which I thought, okay, this is weird. Like, oh, yeah. And oh, great. Like, (laughs) (laughs) this is so complicated. I know. And I was like, how many allergies are we adding here? And then and then a few days later, I thought, you know, they say, well, if they can't have cow's milk, you should try soy milk or, you know, there's all the various different kinds of milk. Yeah. Um, Well, I tried the soy milk and again, lots of welts. And I, I, just thought, okay, maybe we just need to not introduce any more foods. Like this is getting kind of crazy. I don't remember the time frame for that, but we did also give him eggs and the same thing happened, which was really weird with the eggs. His ear got like super swollen. The 
The next step turned out to be difficult. The allergist wrote Kelly off and suggested that her son couldn't possibly have as many allergies as she was suggesting. Boy, was he wrong. I have four children. Nobody else has ever had these issues. And your husband's a doctor. Right, right. And he kept telling me, he's like, no, he's not allergic to all these things. He's not. Well, then they did. They do a skin test on their back where they kind of just give like little pricks and they put the things they're allergic to in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was allergic to all the things that I had called the doctor and said, hey, he had a reaction to this. Oh, there you go. And so that was kind of validating a little bit. So that was kind of a long process of figuring it out. And then you just kept avoiding those foods. So what were you feeding him then? I mean, other than I, I don't know how long you nursed him. It was like fruits, um, the squeezy things yeah, you give babies. the packets. Yeah. Those little like puff things. Uh-huh. I think he might have had plain pasta. For the longest time, he had such a bland, like he'd eat like three things. Yeah, that must have really been. Really like sloppy Joe, which is really random. Yeah, that is kind of <laughs> random. But he could eat tomato and beef. Right. And so, <laughs> and he liked it. So I kept making it like all the time, just. And he he likes spaghetti and the meat sauce. I'm curious about this in terms of how you handle this as he got a little bit older and you were taking him out to eat or eating at other people's houses. What what did you do? I mean, how long did it take before he outgrew it, I guess I want to say? Or has he outgrown it? So he's four now, four and a half. And he the last time he went to the allergist was last May, so it's been a while. But he has outgrown soy and milk, so... Um, now he is only allergic to peanuts, like all nuts, basically. Mm -hmm. I think the only nut he's not allergic to is hazelnut. Okay. But I've never given him Nutella or anything just because it freaks me out. Yeah, right. Um, And he is allergic to eggs and peas. What about all the other stuff that, that he originally had problems with? Yeah. So like soy, soy was really hard because soy is in everything. Is it? you don't really realize like when you go eat tomorrow, look at all the nutrition labels <laughs> and I swear soy is in everything. And I realized after, um, you know, he was allergic to it that I guess there's like a lot of soy farmers and they've, you know, there's been a lot of lobbying and so they use it. It's kind of like corn syrup kind of thing. You know, it's just in a lot of things because there's a lot of soy grown. I don't know. Yeah. So when you go out to eat, do you bring special things for him? We did for the longest time. So he loves pizza now that he can have milk. He loves pizza. But there are a few times he had vomited in the middle of the night. And we were like, why is he? This is so random. Yeah. Because then he'd be fine. But it's not like we go out to eat at the same restaurant all that often. So, you know, it'd be like maybe two months later, we'd go eat there again. Yeah. And he'd vomit in the middle of the night. Well, like the third time we finally realized we're like, oh, my gosh, it's every time after we have this pizza. Huh. Um, and so we never pinpointed what was in the pizza because it's just cheese pizza. Right. Maybe but there's soy. Maybe. Yeah. Or there was some sort of like nut, you know, oh, right. cross contamination or yeah. something. I don't know. Man, that must be frustrating, especially when yeah. you have three other children. It's not like he's the only focus of your life. You've got all these other children to accommodate and not right. with food, but just in general, you know, <laughs> making sure everybody's right. got a seat at the table and is behaving. Mm-hmm. 
what do you do when you combine that with going over to aunts or uncles or grandparents' houses? And what do you tell them? And how do you juggle all that with uh, sure. relatives? Well, we actually, before COVID got really bad again, we went to a friend's house and they were like, hey, we're getting pizza. And so in that situation, I just picked up Domino's because I know he can eat Domino's. I know he likes it. I know it's not going to hurt him, whatever. I just brought it. It's easier for me. Um, I'm on some food allergy Facebook pages mm-hmm. for moms. of, and I feel like some people... I mean, I think it might be a personality thing, just whatever, you know, they are very like adamant on wanting people to include their kid, which I get, but you know, they want them to provide something specific for their kid, you know, like, Hey, don't let leave so-and-so out, you know, make this for my kid. Cause he can't have this. Right. But so they in want- this situation, we went to a friend's house. They also have four kids. I know what it's like. Like, I'm not going to expect her to get what I, you know, just for my one kid. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that like trying to be inclusive and like, if you have a birthday party, you want to make sure that that child can eat something as well. But I mean, it is really hard for the people who've never experienced that. It's hard for them to put themselves in that situation. I mean, with with Augie, um, I'm guessing from what you're saying that it's not life or death. It's not like if he ate a peanut, he would die or would he? Right. Well, you know, we've never been in that situation. From what I've read about it and the information that's available to read about food allergies is kind of like any kid could be anaphylactic, which is when you're, it's like life threatening. Mm-hmm. He has never had that. So that's not something we usually worry about. He does have a prescribed, there's something called an EpiPen, right. which is for a certain weight and above. And then there's a thing called an AviQ, which is for kids under a certain weight. So that's what he has. It's called AviQ. It's the same thing, okay. you know, which is just a shot that you have on hand. And if they're experiencing those symptoms, you just like jab it in their leg right. until the ambulance comes. But yeah, we have never had that situation. Um, he, we, he's never had to go to the emergency room. A lot of times you can deal with it with Benadryl, um, but they actually give you a list, uh, which I can actually send you if you want to. Yeah, we can put it on our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. um, They have like all allergists give it out and it's kind of like a, a chart that shows if your kid is having this symptoms, these reactions, you need to call, you know, or like if they're having two of these symptoms, you need to call like. 911 or something. Yeah. Interesting. I think that would be great for for grandparents because I think, you know, I mean, one of the things that we as grandparents deal with is the fear that something's going to happen on our watch. Like while we're watching our grandchildren, something bad will happen. And I think it's just exacerbated when you have a grandchild who has food sensitivities or food allergies. It's like very nerve wracking and scary to think, well, this might happen while he's with me. So when you drop your kids off to the grandparents, do you provide that pen that, that might be having to be used? Do you tell them, do you talk to them about what to do? How do you handle that? I do. Um, one set of grandparents really likes to eat nuts as like 
just snack food. Uh-huh. And his actually his worst allergy for this particular nut um, of pistachio is like super, super high. Ooh. He's never ate pistachio in his entire life, you yeah. know. It always really freaks me out when I go to their house and I see that green yeah. pistachios yep. bag. The black like, and green. Oh, like, yes. oh. <laughs> but they know that they should not give that to him, right? Right, right. Okay. Um, I mean, they know that. They never have. And right. I always have asked I'm like, if you eat that, can you just wash your hands before you touch him? Yeah. And they're really good about that. And there are actually some kids who, even if they're around the smell of nuts, like that can set them off. Wow. He's not... That's never all. You know, like happened. his siblings eat peanut butter jelly all the time. Mm. Yeah. He's not that level, but that can be an issue. For yeah, that's kids. interesting. So you talked about a community of friends you have on Facebook that uh, you talk about this with. So have you found that to be helpful? It is. Um, I mean, now that he's older and I know more about it, I don't use that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think is really helpful is people will share a lot of recipes on there. When I was trying to make cakes without milk or eggs, like the eggs and the milk, it's like, okay, how do you make a cake? Yeah. Is that a cake? (laughs) Right. right. I remember. So for his second birthday, I think I tried out like three different things because I was like, I want him to have something he can eat. And then he ended up having the flu on his second birthday. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. You were like, oh, phew. (laughs) I got past that one. <laughs> yeah, so the was kind of worthless anyways. But <laughs> That's funny. So what's the best thing a grandparent can do if they find out they have a grandchild with food issues? And, you know, what's your best advice? Um, what, what things should they do and what things should they not do? I think the worst would be to downplay it to the parent or to, like, kind of act like you don't care let's say like the nut thing, you know, for me, I'm okay if they still have it at their house, but I could see some people being like, can you just not have that at their house? And I think that would be hard if there was conflicts there about that, you know? Yeah, right. That they should respect what's going on in your life. And, you know, if they have to do without pistachios when they have grandchildren, that's not a big sacrifice. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it would be easy, I think, as a grandparent. Some grandparents can be less flexible and be kind of like, well, that's your problem, not my problem. And, you know, but if they want to have their grandchildren over and they want to have them, say, for sleepovers or for a weekend, I would think they would need to make sure you felt good about that. Right. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people with food food allergies or kids with food allergies, like going out to eat is a lot scarier because... At home, you can control what's in something. Right. Even if you go out somewhere and you say, hey, my child is allergic to X, Y, Z. There are some places that are really good about that. Disney is really good with food allergies. Really? Like they're over the top good with food. Yes. Like how do they handle that? Um, I, they, Everybody I know raves about Disney because if you go to a one of their sit-down restaurants and you tell them they have a you know, lists like their chefs are like over the top about it. So a lot of people with food allergies will go to Disney because it's really safe um, and everything is labeled. That's amazing. So what we should tell grandparents is grandparents be like Disney. (laughs) I'll also send you this. There's an app that is supposed to be like about food allergies and you can go on there 
and people will have reviewed certain restaurants and, you know, say, hey, I had a really great experience here, or hey, this was a terrible experience. I remember when we took Augie to Boston, because he was still pretty young then, and he didn't have a lot of things he could eat. So I was like, I need to go to the places he can actually eat. If your grandchild has food allergies or sensitivities, this episode is probably old news. But for some of us who may be just starting out with grandbabies or toddlers whose parents have just discovered this, you can be a great help to them. Now, before you share with them the information we have provided on our show notes, be sure to ask them first if they'd like to know about them. Remember that our adult kids do not always want us to be the ones to give advice. The second thing we can do is to support them in any way possible while they're learning how to handle all the new things they're learning. Don't be like that allergist, questioning everything. Don't start going on about how it seems to you like everyone has way more allergies these days than they used to. Don't say something insensitive like they're just overreacting. Remember, no parent would choose this path for their child. It's hard to figure it all out. Finally, do your own research and be prepared to help if asked. Again, don't be like the allergist. Be like Disney. There's a reason they call it the happiest place on earth, right? Before we end the episode, I've started asking my guests to share a children's book or two that they love. Since book buying is one of my favorite things to do and reading them to my grands is the other, I figured you might enjoy hearing these recommendations. I often write book reviews for Grand Magazine as well, so I'm happy to hear what books people like. I asked Kelly, our young mom, to share her insights. This might be overdone, but my kids are absolutely obsessed with everything Mo Willems right now. Oh, yes. Um, and <laughs> so the Nuffle Bunny series is an absolute hit at our house. When we went to New York, we were going to try to go find the spots, but then I realized it's in Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, and Manhattan is a very large island. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we even were like, let's go. At first I thought the in the one book they have the arch. And I was like, oh, like I thought it was the Washington Square arch. No, it's the one that's in Brooklyn. So oh. we, oh. still, we still an arch. So that's... <laughs> there you go. There you go. But still, the Nuff- I think Nuffle Bunny is so cute. I, I love Mo Willems. Uh, Great sense of humor, great, like, you know, you wouldn't think because the illustrations are really quite, uh, what's, the, what's the word I want? I don't want to say empty, but they're kind of like sketches in some ways. They're not as detailed as some illustrators would do, but there is something very charming about those books. And Elephant and Piggy, my first grader is just learning to read and she can read those and she thinks they're hilarious. So <laughs> yeah, we we're lucky enough at the Indianapolis Children's Museum because we, we both live in Indianapolis. Um, we're lucky enough to have seen that whole display that they did yes. a whole thing about it, uh, all of Mo Willem's stuff. And I don't know if it's been traveling around the country. I imagine it is that exhibit, but um, what fun. That was fantastic. And what yeah. about your older one? You've got a 12 year old. Yes. So what's he interested in for a young he adult? He really likes, he likes Percy Jackson books, mm-hmm. um, which I'll be honest, I have not read those, but he likes those. Yeah. <laughs> he. I finally got him to start reading Harry Potter because nice. we promised if he reads them, we will go to the theme park. 
Yeah, Universal Studios. How fun. Yes. That'd be great. So are you yeah. encouraging him to read the book as opposed to watch the movies or has he already seen yes. the movies? I have not let any of them watch the movies until they read the books. That's awesome. I think that's great. And I would be curious uh, because I've got grandchildren who are starting to do that now. Um, I feel like what you imagine when you read the book could be even more frightening than what you see. But I don't know because those Harry Potter movies are pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. And the further they go down, is, yeah. it gets a little more dark. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get to six, seven, and eight. And I'm having nightmares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kelly, for those recommendations. You know, we love hearing from young parents because it keeps us more informed than if we just talk to people our own age. So I love having you join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really a delight for me to talk with younger parents, parents the same age as my adult kids. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and review it when you can. I have gotten a few more reviews, and it's so rewarding to hear what you're thinking. So go to wherever you get your podcasts, rate what you hear, and send in a quick review. You can also email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or call me and leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876. Meanwhile, I'm Emily Morgan, and thanks for joining me in living the grand life.